welcome to Stories Worth Telling. I'm Rana Dietrich. There are stories worth telling, amazing and beautiful stories that deserve to be told. And here's why. If we would but hear them, remember them, resurrect them, we would find ourselves strangely stronger, braver, wiser, more tender, more and more ourselves. So that's what I do. I tell those stories, ones worth telling, ones that deserve to be told. Some of them you've probably heard before, maybe just not quite like this. Others you've probably never heard, and all of them will sound so profoundly familiar that you'll wonder if truly the story I'm telling is yours or at least the one you believe, deep in your bones, is the one you're meant to live. May it be so. We are surrounded by stories, of course, all the time. In 30-second TV commercials, on Facebook, on TV, in movies, in books, and of course, in our own lives. Because of this, we are super compelled by the once upon a time uh, where things begin, but even more, I think, by the happily ever after, how things end, because that's what we want, right? The happily ever after. The truth, though, is that what we live on a day-to-day basis is far less glamorous and lots of times far less than pleasant. Sometimes it's downright excruciating. And I'm not negating a bit of that truth. What I am aware of, at least for myself, is that I often live a story that is far less than it could be. So today I want to tell you a story that seems like it's about the happy ending, but that, at least in my opinion, is really about so much more, about all of the in-between, about what is most real and most relevant in her story, to be sure, even more in yours. So once upon a time, long before women had volition or will as to who they married, a search commenced for the perfect wife for Isaac, who was the son of the patriarch Abraham. A servant was sent out, commanded to find a bride, but only from particular tribes with particular lineage holding particular pedigree. Perplexed as to how he was going to find this needle in a haystack and somehow satisfy his master's unreasonable demand, he prayed, O God of my master, please give me success today. I will stand by this spring as the young women of the town come out to draw water. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink. If she says, yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too, Let her be the one I am to select. Well, guess what? That's exactly what happened. A woman appeared named Rebecca. She spoke exactly the words he'd hoped to hear, and yes, even offered to water his camels. So he adorned her with a gold ring for her nose and two gold bracelets, which is what always happens when we offer to water someone's camels. And then Rebecca took the servant to her family and negotiations ensued between the servant and her father, trying to settle on a bride price and determine if this was a deal that was acceptable to both parties. Finally, Rebecca's father asked her what she wanted. 
novel concept. Are you willing to go with this man? He asked. And she replied, yes, I will go. So the servant and Rebecca began the long journey back to Abraham and to Isaac. One particular evening after days of traveling, she looked up and said, who is that man walking through the fields to meet us? The servant replied, it is my master. The text tells us that she covered her face with her veil as the servant told his master, Isaac, the story of how he had found her. And then this line, Isaac brought Rebekah into his tent and she became his wife. He loved her deeply. Isn't that a great story? If you're tracking, it's from Genesis chapter 24. Um, And if you're also tracking, you're wondering how in the world this story is about anything other than the happy ending. You might even be rolling your eyes and saying, yeah, nice. So not like my story, Rana. So not what's going to ever going to happen in my life. Um, And no camels anywhere in sight. Uh, But here's where I want to stop you, even if just for a few moments. Go back. Put yourself back in the story or in the place of listening to and imagining the story. And then tell the truth. Before you jumped to the eye rolling and the disbelief, didn't you, like even for a split second, wish that story were yours? Don't you wish that you could be found and discovered, be the answer to someone's wistful, even crazy prayer, be adorned with jewelry and loved? The problem is, even if we do admit this, we're pretty quick to jolt ourselves back to what we name reality. And that familiar voice within pipes up almost immediately saying, forget it. You're such a dreamer. That kind of stuff only happens to other people. You're not the answer to a prayer. You're not going to be sought out and recognized as the perfect woman. You're not being adorned with expensive jewelry. And let's be honest, there are no camels anywhere in sight. What could her story possibly have to do with yours? All you're wishing and hoping isn't going to make it so. It doesn't really matter what you desire. You already know it's not going to happen. (sighs) Do you see what happened there? In one swift movement, you went from desire to cynicism. And maybe you don't actually name it cynicism, you name it reality. But either way, you jumped right past desire and you left it in the dust. Believe me, I only know this because I do it all the time. See if any of these examples sound a little bit more familiar than um, bride prices and camels and um, nose jewelry. (laughs) I would love to step into my strength, my power, my amazingness. Right. But uh, no one will be able to handle me or want to. Probably better to play small, stay safe, not rustle anyone's feathers or stir the waters. I want to write a book. I know I've got it in me. Uh, right. Even if I could, no one would buy it. So why bother? How about this? I have an amazing business idea. Oh, wait. It's not going to make enough money to support me. I'd be crazy to even start. Or... I really wish or want to be able to tell the truth in my marriage or my relationships or my job, but if I do, it will just create too much trouble. Nope, I'll just suck it up again. Yeah, 
It's true I could take care of myself, clean my house, wax my eyebrows, exercise, but I'll quit eventually. What's the point? Brilliantly, and sadly, this pattern, this movement from desire to cynicism, grants us carte blanche permission to hold back, to not risk, to not do much of anything. We stay stuck, and then we complain, understandably. And believe me, I get it. It's so hard to stay connected to our desire, to our hopes, to our wishes and wants, because we might not get them. Easier to not desire, not hope, not wish or want at all. Which is why we tend to roll our eyes at happy endings. They remind us of what we do want. They hit a nerve. They touch our heart. They, rem- they remind us that we want and want and want. Which is so good. Again, believe me, I am hardly preaching other than to the choir. That voice in my brain is so familiar. It tells me over and over again that I want too much, that I am too much, that less would be better, even smarter, and that for sure I don't want to be disappointed. No, Rana, don't desire. Settle. Settle down. And maybe even stop before you start. But then there's Rebecca. And I am reminded all over again, thankfully, that there's something to this desire of mine, that I can and must follow it, that I need to allow it, that I need to fan its flame, that when I hear a happy story, a once upon a time, a happy ending, it reminds me all over again that my heart is alive and beating and longing and wanting and hoping and, and, and. The happy ending isn't the point. It's what the desire for such compels and births and brings forth and summons up and invites. Rebecca's story, all about miracles and recognition and honor and love, could cause me to roll my eyes and say, how nice for you. Or it could help me see, yet again, that when I do that, I'm only dismissing I'm not only dismissing the significance of her story, but of my own. And when I roll my eyes, I'm dismissing my own desire. I don't want to. Rebecca reminds me of what I don't have but want. She reminds me that I can and must name my desire. That I do actually desire lots of things, lots of realities, lots, period. She reminds me that I can choose hope over resignation, that I can do the good, hard, ongoing work of actually showing up in my own story and realizing that the more plot twists and turns that occur, and even the more tension, the better the story actually is. She reminds me that I can be strong and powerful and amazing, that I can write the book and build the business and have the hard conversations and maybe even wax my eyebrows and exercise. I don't know. I might be getting carried away there. Rebecca's story reminds me that there's so much more than once upon a time and happily ever after. That in the middle, in the in-between, is where my desire resides. She reminds me that my desire is good, good, good. Good. 
as is yours. So listen to Rebecca's story. Revel in happy endings. And in all of this, hold on to your desire with as much fierceness and tenacity as you can muster. And maybe even offer to water someone's camels. You never know. One day, you might just find yourself in a story exactly like hers. One you could have never imagined, but actually dared to desire. And on those days when it just feels too hard, too risky, too rife with disappointment, when giving up or giving in somehow seems a more rational choice, when your story is far from once upon a time or happily ever after, hear Rebecca's voice on your behalf. She will gladly and graciously tell you her story and remind you of your own, the big and amazing one of which you are a part, the one in which you remember that you are her daughter, her lineage, her kin. Hmm. That's a happy ending already, isn't it? I'll be back soon with another story worth telling.